welcome to the podcast not yet a doctor we're very excited to be in our third season and we also have an exciting announcement which is that we have gained a new host so um we're just gonna go around and introduce ourselves as per usual i'm sienna i'm posting this episode today but I'm also a PhD student at McGill University in neuroscience. My name is Alistair, and I have my PhD in analytical chemistry at Queen's University. And I'm Om, the new guy, and I'm doing my PhD at McGill <laughs> in biochemistry. So yeah, we're your PhD three. We're back to three. Yeah. Today we're doing something kind of short and fun. At least I think it'll be fun and short. <laughs> I hope it'll be fun. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed it's both of those things, which is we're just going to do a quick review of a week in science because there is exciting science news that's relevant to me and my research that I wanted to share with you two. I don't know if you guys heard or if you guys are very interested in this news or have your ears out for this type of thing but i am a researcher in the field of multiple sclerosis and there was a very 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 exciting study that came out recently that kind of maybe but like very likely pinpointed the cause of the disease wow it's been in huge contention over the past decade 20 years because essentially we've always known that there's a high correlation between Epstein-Barr virus infection and MS cases. But the problem with this correlation that has always been the case is that Epstein-Barr virus is present in about 95% of the adult population at large, whereas MS, you know, is a disease that occurs in less than 1% of the population. So Mm. as far as, you know, causing a disease, the penetrance is so low that it's really been impossible to sort of causally link infection with the virus with development of multiple sclerosis. But there is this really cool paper that came out last week in Science Magazine by the research group of Alberto Asherio. And the first author is Ketel Bjornovic. And essentially what they did is they did this huge longitudinal study of massive cohort of people, 10 million people, wow. who had they had serum samples for. So this is just like samples from blood and analyzed a bunch of different factors over the course that these samples were taken at. So essentially, the study design is really, it's really lucky because um, they're using this cohort of people from the U.S. military who have to be screened regularly for HIV infection. And so Mm -hmm. that, I guess they have blood taken at regular intervals throughout their lives. Mm -hmm. And there's, like I said, a ton of these people. So then they were able to look at the Epstein-Barr virus infection rate of these people by looking for the marker, sort of the antibody against Epstein-Barr virus in their blood. And they were also able to look, because it's longitudinal, which means they have years and years and years worth of these samples, they also had clinical data for these people so that some of them, of the people in the military, end up developing MS. So they had MS patients within this sample population. And essentially, what they found is that they were able to narrow down their population to people who were Epstein-Barr virus negative at the beginning and then developed Epstein-Barr virus and then afterwards developed MS. And Mm. of the people in this population, there is only a single person who did not develop Epstein-Barr virus before the development of MS. Crazy. So this was like an unreal result. 
it essentially meant that like when they did all of these mathematical calculations for sort of the risk, the hazard ratio for developing MS if you get Epstein-Barr virus, it was 30-fold increased risk if you developed or got the virus. And there were all sorts of other factors that they looked at as well. So they um, measured biomarkers of axonal slash neuron degeneration in the blood. So there's this protein that you can look for in the blood that's indicative of, you know, neurodegeneration or like neurons dying or getting damaged in your central nervous system. And you can find this in blood. And they found that people who went on to develop MS who were Epstein-Barr virus positive had higher levels of these proteins in their blood after developing Epstein-Barr virus positivity versus people who developed Epstein-Barr virus positivity but didn't go on to develop MS did not have higher levels of these proteins in their blood. So this is like a huge indicator that there's sort of a sub cohort of people who develop Epstein-Barr virus and then develop MS. And I thought this was really cool, especially in the context of everything we know about COVID, long COVID, people who get a virus and get major complications with regards to having contracted the virus. This is like one of those results, essentially, is Epstein-Barr virus is the virus that causes mono. Mm. So the kissing disease, as we all know it. Mm. And um, so a lot of people get this and a lot of people may not even have any symptoms. They may develop mono. They may just live their lives normally for the rest of their life. But it also, the virus is known to lie latent or dormant in B cells, which are a subset of immune cells. And it Mm. seems to be evident that for some people, then this virus infection in their blood then will cause some sort of spurious activation of the immune system that leads Mm. to MS. And like, this is, I just cannot express how huge of news this is because, you know, we've known for a really, really long time that Epstein-Barr virus was linked to MS development, but this is kind of like just the best, like, the best evidence evidence that you could hope to find. Yeah, Yeah. what a cohort to find as well, like that military group that's next impossible. Uh, When I was looking into this as well, I think the same author tried to publish something along these lines um, maybe a decade or two ago, but didn't have the right population, unfortunately, so it wasn't, it didn't make it as far in the news, but this is something really, really unique. And for sure, I'm not going to be kissing my friends anymore, so that's gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, kissing's canceled. <laughs> no, no model for me. <laughs> I was going to ask uh, earlier, the Epstein-Barr virus is, I mean, you, you said it. it's linked to mono. Does it cause other things? Like, you said, I like, don't... everybody basically has it? Like Yeah, so basically, like, 95% of adults have can will test positive for the virus in their blood you know in some way or another like either probably just having antibodies for it it doesn't mean that the virus is active right Mm -hmm. probably a lot of them are sort of infections that don't cause any illness Mm. some of the infections cause mono i think that's quite a common experience for young people (laughs) i didn't Mm -hmm. have it but you know i know people who did and then, like I say, then there's probably like a small subset of those infections that go on to cause ms so then is there a vaccine potentially that could well prevent that's the thing right there's i don't think there's been any reason to vaccinate people against ebv especially because mm-hmm. it's so prevalent so it's like you have to make sure you get kids at a young age because it's highly transmissible but now this is like a huge yeah. huge reason to this evidence that it causes ms is the causal factor in ms is like very convincing and that does mean that now not only should we maybe start considering vaccination for kids at a young age against 
EBV, just like we kind of vaccinate against HPV because it, um, mm-hmm. you know, it causes yeah. uh, cervical cancer. Cancer, yeah. People, yeah. This is a good reason to now start vaccinating our population against EBV. The other possibility is that antiviral treatments against Epstein-Barr virus for people who already have it might also be a good clinical intervention to either prevent MS in people who might be identified as high risk based on both because there's other genetic factors that provide higher risk of MS, but also Mm -hmm. potentially antivirals against EBV in current MS patients might help reduce sort of the immune system activation that is causing this neurodegenerative disease. So it's, it's like a very exciting result that really does reinforce, you know, looking into treating Epstein-Barr virus and in that, like by treating Epstein-Barr virus, treating MS. Very cool. That's very exciting. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I would say also, I guess, considering the fact that so many people have Epstein-Barr virus, like there are obviously some secondary what a genetic or particular effect that's going on that's interacting with this virus exactly. to then re- or capitulate uh, this MS phenotype, right? Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how the virus is actually interacting and we can actually start doing more research into that because mm-hmm. I think a lot of this has been just super speculative and people have been looking at purely genetic factors or hereditary factors. And we, while there's been some correlation, this is, like you said, the first causative yeah. nail, nail on the coffin. So yeah. hopefully we can put it in. And it's also interesting because mm-hmm. like, the genetic risk factors that we know of the like i think the most the one that conveys the most risk is this um genetic mutation in a an hla gene which is like a protein that's expressed on immune cells and is part of their antibody antiviral response i suppose Mm. and so and then the odds risk if you have that and have epstein-barr virus is like a really high risk for developing ms of anyone in the population of course like risk is still very low in the general population but this is one of the things that we already know and we also already know that like one of the most one really effective ms therapeutic that's um, on the market targets memory b cells which are those b cells that host latent epstein-barr virus so there's sort of all of these like on their own individually kind of implicating ebv pieces of evidence already out there that we've known but really having this like final nail in the coffin of this does seem to be Epstein-Barr virus mediated tells us like, yes, like go for it. Let's address EBV then, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that's really cool and exciting. As someone who would like work with mice and do like these mice models for yeah. MS, do you think it's going to change the models or how we actually design experiments against multiple sclerosis? That's a really good question. I think it will probably. <laughs> I mean, people have already been quite skeptical about the animal models we have for MS, um, not being really necessarily accurate at recapitulating the disease, but there are already some virally mediated MS mouse models that exist. So I think this will definitely, I don't, I can't remember, I don't think mice can get Epstein-Barr virus at all. Mm. I think they use a different virus to infect mice to try and like mimic it. Mm. So I, I, I do think that's going to be like a challenge, but it also might mean that you know, to me, this means maybe we don't even have to do so much mouse research after all. True. Like, maybe now we start, like, I don't know, treating MS patients with Epstein-Barr virus-targeted therapeutics and seeing how that Sorry. impacts the course of their disease. So you're advocating for giving people with MS more Epstein-Barr virus. No. <laughs> Double <God>. the dose. <laughs> that was, like, one of the main problems of why we couldn't identify a causal link before is because the 
other way to identify a causal link other than looking in a massive population longitudinally is to take people who don't have EBV and split them into two groups and give half the group EBV, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the other way. And then see right. which of those people develop MS. Yeah. Yeah, or which group of people, the ones without EBV that you don't give EBV to and the ones without EBV that you do expose to EBV, which of those two groups then develop a higher incidence of MS. But, you know, that's incredibly unethical. We can't yeah. go around giving people, <laughs> exposing people to viruses just to test a theory, right? Yeah. So yeah. this was, a, you know, a natural way, essentially, to conduct that experiment because people are naturally exposed to EBV throughout the course of their life. Yeah. And this was just like sort of a monitoring mm-hmm. method. So my question is, you said one person tested EBV negative and still developed MS. So I wonder what your thoughts are on that person. So I think they had about one person didn't test positive. 10 million people? No, so the starting sample was 10 million. They narrowed that down to like nine or a few hundred thousand that were EBV negative at the start. Right, okay. Okay, of the study. And then I think they had about... 900 people that developed MS from the 10 million, maybe? I don't mm-hmm. remember the exact study details, but I think there were like 30 people or 37 people that started out negative for EBV and then developed MS. And one of those people did not test positive for EBV beforehand, before the onset of MS, before the diagnosis. But they tested positive after they developed MS? Uh, they don't. I don't think they have samples from after the oh, development okay. of MS. Or they just don't talk about those. They don't. They definitely don't list them. I think it's people are only collected samples from while they're in military service. I think, and I don't think you stay in military service for very long after you test positive for MS. So the time points of the samplings don't necessarily match up, like with the time point of when they're diagnosed with MS. Right. They say for that one sample, I think it was collected two months before the diagnosis, which is actually quite short mm-hmm. before the diagnosis, and it was negative. So there is like. There's a possibility that within that two months they tested, like they were exposed to EBV. Mm. But there's also the possibility that they propose, which is paralytic poliomyelitis is caused by poliovirus, but there are like cases of diseases that look clinically identical to paralytic poliomyelitis, but they can be caused by other viruses. Mm. So there is the possibility that this one case was caused by another virus because Mm. we know that some viruses can mimic one another in terms of types of ways of infection and sort of clinical outcomes so that might they were exposed to like another really rare virus that they were positive for for a long time that the authors weren't testing for and that maybe was the cause of the ms in that one case but the fact that like 99 percent of the cases were negative and Mm -hmm. then positive and then ms is just like this astounding result and and like it's such solid evidence that there is a causal link yeah. yeah. Exactly. So that's this week in science, Very cool. according to Sienna Drake, I guess. <laughs> and thank you guys for listening to me go on a rant about this paper because it was really exciting to came across my Twitter feed massively this week, and I was really yeah. excited to see it. Yeah, so. that's fantastic. Yeah. Hot news. Hot mm-hmm. news. Maybe uh, if our listeners want more of these smaller episodes about cool science happening in the week, they can get in touch with us. How can they get in touch with us, Sienna? Uh, They can get in touch with us by email. Our email address is phd32b, that is phd32b at gmail.com. Or they can get in touch with us via social media. And I think we're not yet a DR. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Not yet a DR. 
So check us out, follow us, let us know what other news you want us to cover. I want us to cover other news, so if you guys come across news, feel free to cover it with me. Yeah. But <laughs> listeners, if you want news covered as well, um, send them direct messages. Influence us. <laughs> yeah, these are fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, thank you. That is all. Short episode today, but thank you for listening as per usual. And I have been your host, I'm Sienna. I'm Alistair. I'm Om. And season three will be returning soon. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to our episode today, where we brought you some new news in science. The article we discussed today was published in Science Magazine on January 13th, 2022, and it is entitled... Longitudinal analysis reveals high prevalence of Epstein-Barr virus associated with multiple sclerosis. Thank you for listening.